0: Depth investigative.
1: This is KXAN News Today. We are waking up to the cold this morning. A freeze warning in effect for Central Texas. It's chilly. Good morning. I'm Tom Miller.
2: And I'm Jayla Washington. And for Sally Hernandez, meteorologist Kristen Curry joining us to talk about How chilly it is out there this morning. It's cold. It It is is
3: real cold for most of us. Let's start with a live look outside because this plays into why it's so cold. Clear conditions, relatively light winds. I mean, the cold air out there is just sitting on top of everybody. So this is the view from the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center camera there in South Austin. Let's take you region by region to show you out in the hill country. We've got upper 20s to lower 30s. 30 in Castell, 29 in Fredericksburg. 28 in Bertram, 30 in Marble Falls. Austin Metro, not too far from that freezing point in downtown Austin, currently sitting at 35. But look at the airport, look at Mainer in the upper 20s, down to freezing in Georgetown, below freezing in Round Rock at the hour. Eastern County seeing widespread 20s out here, only a few holding on to the 30s at the moment. Rockdale and Thorndale, both at 30 degrees, but 25 as we start our Monday in Bass. Good news, we got sunshine to help us out for the rest of the day. Once that sun comes up, we're talking low 40s by the end of the morning, 50s by lunch, and then later today, a forecast high of 66 degrees. Now, I'll tell you, Soak in that sunshine today because we've got big time rain chances coming in later this week. In fact, Friday right now is looking like a total washout. And we're not just talking a little bit of a sprinkle. Rainfall accumulation projections look good here in Central Texas. So I'm excited to share this forecast with you. We'll talk a little bit more about what and when to expect in your first winning forecast.
1: Okay, thank you, Kristen. Why did prosecutors drop charges against 17 Austin police officers? This morning, Travis County District Attorney, Jose Garza, is responding to some of those questions and criticisms over that move. The charges followed the 2020 racial justice protest.
2: Yeah, the DA says he stands by his decision and tells our Brianna Hollis he believes a federal review of police action is the best way to bring about justice. She sat down with him to discuss
4: the dismissals. Three and a half years after these protests near police headquarters, District Attorney Jose Garza dismissed use of force cases against 17 officers, quote, in the interest of justice. He'll continue to prosecute four officers.
5: Those cases had aggravating Factors from our perspective.
4: Garza's office, in conjunction with the city of Austin, submitted a letter to the Department of Justice asking for a federal review of APD's use of force during the protests. That review is not guaranteed. So, what happens if the DOJ doesn't do anything?
5: Well, that's certainly um, the Department of Justice's decision.
4: I understand, uh, but if if the Department of Justice does not do anything, do you feel like you're still getting a just outcome?
5: Um, as I said, I think what we need in this instance um, is systemic change within the Austin Police Department. This is one mechanism that we have to be able to um, secure a just outcome. you are correct that there are no guarantees, um, and that is um, how our criminal justice system works every day.
4: The Texas Municipal Police Association says the event in question was a, quote, riot, not a protest.
1: Jointly asked the feds to come in and do an investigation of things that happened 42 months ago. He knows he couldn't get convictions on these 21 cases.
4: We spoke with both the Austin Justice Coalition and attorneys for some of the officers. Both of them called this entire indictment process kind of culminating with what happened yesterday, political theater or a political game. What is your response to that?
5: Yeah, my my response is that this is how our criminal justice system works every single day for thousands of people.
4: Is there anything politically motivated about a- this a- process?
5: Absolutely not.
4: Brianna Hollis, KXAN News.
2: Well, going in depth, in September of last year, the Austin Police Department identified 17 ways to improve protest response. That includes de-escalation tactics, riot management, and better coordination among different units. And in August this year, former Chief Joseph Chacon advised officers to stop using less lethal shotguns, often referred to as beanbag rounds, after the DA's office expressed legal concerns. Austin police detectives are still trying to figure out what led to a deadly stabbing in downtown Austin over the weekend.
1: Yeah, police got a call just after four in the morning yesterday about a stabbing on Congress Avenue. This is between 6th and 7th streets, a really busy area. Officers got to this scene and tried to save that person's life, but they died at the hospital. Detectives say they have identified a person of interest.
2: Well, devastation in Tennessee, the aftermath following tornadoes that swept through part of the state.
1: And some neighbors in Austin's Northwest Hills neighborhood are not happy with the city and how it is trying to do traffic control on their street. KXAN investigating why Austin uses these traffic poles you see there and how much they are costing taxpayers, are they even working?
3: Live like outside, it is dark and early on your Monday morning. Sunrise is going to be just a few minutes past 7:15, and we're going to see a ton of that sunshine today. More on your local forecast here coming up. Several people are dead after a tornado outbreak in Central Tennessee this past weekend. Multiple tornadoes, including one EF2 and one EF3 tornado, left behind widespread destruction on Saturday. Three people died after a mobile home flipped on top of another home. Two other children involved in that incident were taken to the hospital and expected to recover. OFFICIALS SAY IT COULD BE WEEKS BEFORE POWER IS RESTORED FOR MORE THAN 30,000 PEOPLE. NBC NEWS' Marissa PARA IS ON THE GROUND IN CENTRAL TENNESSEE. Tornadoes in Tennessee claimed the lives of six people, including two children, We're standing in Madison, Tennessee. This is one of the hardest hit areas, and I want to show you one example behind me. This is someone's bedroom. You can see a dresser, a bed underneath, ripped pieces of insulation exposed to the sky. This is also an area that the Tennessee governor called heartbreaking to walk through. There have been other areas hard hit. We'll show you all of the damage and the steps, the road to recovery, all that and more coming up on today. And a little further east, heavy rains and strong winds left damage across the Washington, D.C. area this past weekend. A flood watch is in effect for excessive rainfall in parts of D.C., Maryland, and Virginia today. Wind gusts reached up to 35 miles per hour as well. Some areas saw close to 2 inches of rainfall in 24 hours.
1: Thank you, Kristen. Still ahead, the state capitol deck in the halls for the holidays. The efforts that went into a unique Christmas celebration at the Texas House. Plus,
2: how a group of UT students are having a first-hand impact on engineering and design work for Austin's upcoming Project Connect light rail system.
0: Big night in Arlington for the Cowboys, and now tied for the NFC East lead with the Eagles.
1: I've got it coming up. Good morning. A live look outside. It's from Lockhart, Texas. Here as we kick off this Monday morning. Pretty quiet out there on the road. Happy to have you here with us. Hey, if you're feeling constantly tired, fatigue, you are not alone. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control releasing a first estimate of how many adults have chronic fatigue syndrome, and it found that 3.3 million people are dealing with it. This is about one in every 100 people. Chronic fatigue is characterized by at least six months of severe exhaustion. CDC says that the number is larger than previous studies suggested. Researchers think that this is boosted by people who experience long COVID and all the symptoms that went with that. You can experience brain fog, pain, and it could worsen if you are working or if you're exercising. No cure at this point, and no blood test or scan can quickly diagnose this. Here at home, Texas lawmakers are finally back where they live for the holidays after a historic year at the Capitol.
2: Yeah, this year, the Texas legislature was in session for more days than ever before leaving them working during December for one of the only times in history. And their work cut into some of the usual festivities. Some say it was nearly the session that stole Christmas, but the <laughs> Capitol is finding some fun amid the fighting. In fact, long before December, Sergeant at Arms Kara Coffee begins searching for Christmas cheer. Her team scouts a tree each summer and spends the typical
4: downtime of December bringing it to life to be able to still bring Christmas to the house and pivot and work with the weirdness of 2023, um, but still be able to create these memories for the public and for our members and their families, I think is still huge.
1: Members had their constituents back home design an ornament, and then they were able to show off their district on the tree.
2: Having a little fun this holiday
3: season. Yeah, is your tree up?
2: It is not see my yeah. apartment's a little small. It's a little small. So I don't have a tree up, but I've got decorations up. So okay. I've got the lights. That counts. I got the Christmas
1: cheers. I've had years where like I didn't have I wasn't at home for Christmas uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. And I just got a baby tree. I yeah. got a baby tree, too. That's my, an option. My
3: first year working
1: in news when <laughs> yeah. I was working
2: Christmas. It I was used to like, have <laughs> a little baby tree, but I got a little natty. I need to, like, go and get a real tree. <laughs> there you
3: go. And right now, they're probably on discount, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you what's going on outside this morning. Hopefully, you had a great weekend. We've got quiet conditions as we kick off a brand-new work week. As far as what we've got temperature-wise, whoo, it's cold. And we knew coming into this morning that we were going to see temperatures at or at least near freezing. And And, man, that is verifying for us. Burnet, Lampasas, San Saba, Mason, Lano, all of us in those lower 30s if not colder. Look at our eastern counties. Eastern counties, most of us in the 20s at this hour. And then we've got most of the Austin metro uh, in those low to maybe mid-30s. But it's still possible we see 1 to 2 degrees of a drop here before that sun comes up. Much colder than yesterday. Temperatures down about 5 to 15 degrees this morning. But here's the deal. Sunshine, dry skies. We've got a nice afternoon ahead of us. From those 30s, we pop upper 50s by lunch. Forecast high today. 66 degrees. That's actually pretty seasonable. 65 is normal for us. Let's talk about the impactful weather headed our way later this week. Here's your first warning. Widespread rain expected, especially on Friday. Friday will be the wettest day of the next seven. All of central. Texas favored for at least something, but we're talking one to three inches of rainfall possible here with this next storm and cold front coming through. Here's what it looks like as far as the timing goes. Late tomorrow night, one or two spot showers. Wednesday, Hill Country, you'll get the wet weather first. It starts very scattered, only a 20% chance of rain on Wednesday, growing to 30% on Thursday with the help of a coal from coming in. Friday looks to be a 90% chance of widespread rain and a few isolated storms. Now I'm not expecting widespread flooding issues, but I think as far as the rainfall totals go, one to three inches is a good bet. We'll just have to watch how quickly it comes down. Maybe some minor localized flooding here and there, but no severe weather anticipated at this moment. So your seven day forecast shows 60s and sunshine today. Tomorrow we start the transition. A little more cloud cover. Temperatures will top at 67 the warmest for the week and then you'll notice the temperatures coming down Wednesday, Thursday as rain chances slowly start to come up and then Friday. Friday will be the day to watch this week with widespread rain expected. Temperatures only making into the mid-50s and then you'll notice even Saturday some lingering showers. Right now, our afternoon highs are trending a little bit cooler than normal but your overnight low is expected to stay above freezing for the next six to seven mornings.
1: Thank you, Kristen. A man is now charged with capital murder in the death of a Texas cheerleader. 16-year-old Elizabeth Medina was found dead in a bathtub in her mom's apartment in Edna last Tuesday. This is southwest of Houston. Edna police located the suspect, Rafael Romero, on Saturday in Schulenburg that's southeast of Austin. Texas Rangers arrested Romero on capital murder charges. That makes a suspect eligible for the death penalty if he's convicted.
2: Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones is back on the social media platform X. This after Elon Musk put out a poll on X asking followers if Jones' account should be reinstated. Now, according to Reuters, nearly 2 million votes were cast in that poll, with over 70% voting to let Jones back on X. Jones was banned from the platform for nearly five years for violating its behavior policies.
1: You may have noticed more of these popping up around Austin, these plastic flexible traffic poles called delineators. Austin leaders say they've been using them more often as a way to make our streets safer, but some people in the Northwest Hills area argue that they're not needed and even dangerous in their neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and while they fight to try to get them removed, KXA investigator Mike Rush finds out how many there are in Austin, how much they cost, and how it's decided where they go.
6: James Harding believes he's measuring futility. Let's say it's 12 feet. That's 12 feet that got taken away from the people. He's talking about these in and at the border of the bike and pedestrian lane on this stretch of Greystone Drive in Northwest Hills. Harding and his neighbor, Bennett Brook, have many ways to describe them. The city put up these poles. I call them poles. They call them delineators. It's architectural trivia.
0: It's definitely a black eye. It's the circus comes to town.
6: Throughout August and September, the city installed 28 speed cushions and 32 delineators near the cushions at several spots along Greystone. The intent, according to city officials, to keep drivers from swerving into the bike pedestrian lanes to avoid the cushions. I think it's a hazard. Brooke, who's been back and forth with the city trying to get the poles removed, worries they'll lead to accidents. One vehicle can be over across the yellow line. So the vehicle coming in the opposite direction needs to move over. Well, with the poles there, you have no room at all to move over without hitting the poles. He also says they take up street parking, make it difficult for people to back out of their driveways and are ugly. No, they're not attractive. There's nothing attractive about them. They can be very effective. This is Laura Dierenfield, a division manager with Austin's Transportation and Public Works Department. THE CITY STARTED USING DELINEATORS ABOUT A DECADE AGO, SHE SAYS, BECAUSE THEY'RE LESS EXPENSIVE AND INTRUSIVE AND A QUICKER FIX THAN OTHER OPTIONS.
2: A MILE OF PROTECTED um, BIKE LANE in, IN CONCRETE WOULD COST YOU you know, TEN TIMES AS MUCH AS THAT, PERHAPS.
6: ACCORDING TO CITY RECORDS, THERE ARE ROUGHLY MORE THAN 19,000 DELINEATORS COVERING AROUND 155 MILES OF AUSTIN STREETS at a cost of almost $3 million. Deerenfield says the devices are used near speed cushions like on Greystone, but also pedestrian crossings, intersections, and most, she says, are used on bike lanes. Based on studies of protected bike lanes in Austin, Deerenfield says before and after comparisons suggest an estimated 140 crashes avoided a year adding up to an estimated savings of $35 million in economic and quality-of-life costs. Dearnfield says the city evaluates streets on an ongoing basis to determine where the delineators are needed. And, the city says, someone from the neighborhood requested a speed study be done on Greystone.
2: Greystone, it was one of the most egregious um, speeding streets, if you will, in, in the city.
6: Ranking, she says, number 11 out of 375 streets. A city transportation spokesman says 27 percent of drivers on Greystone were observed speeding during the study period. Dearnfield says drivers eventually adjust and adapt to safety measures without much trouble but as far as these neighbors adjusting 44 inches don't count on it they're just totally useless and all they are are just ugly and getting away mike rush kxan investigators
1: Deerenfield says that sometimes the overall safety need of the community outweighs individual concerns on projects Although she says feedback from the community is needed and taken into account.
2: She says like other projects, the city will do another study at Greystone in about a year and a half, allowing time for a variety of drivers to get used to the measure. Then they will compare the data from before the speed cushions and poles were put in and after to determine if they're effective and if changes should be made.
0: This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. The Cowboys and Eagles played in early November. Cowboys lost, and they were two games behind the Eagles and the NFC East. Last night in Arlington, Cowboys had a chance to pull even. Mike McCarthy fresh off appendicitis, but he wasn't going to miss this one. And right out of the gates, the Cowboys drive the length of the field deck. Prescott scramble. CeeDee Lamb walks into the end zone. That flag was waved off, so... Cowboys take a 7-0 lead and then the defense when the Eagles are driving Jalen Hurts right about the 20-yard line coughs it up so the Cowboys get the turnover as the Eagles were in scoring territory that leads to one of the more amazing stories of the year Brandon Aubrey the rookie a 60-yarder also kicked a 59-yarder Cowboys take a 10-0 lead and then Rico Daldo with the touchdown initially they ruled him down but then they looked at it and he got into the end zone so Back to a two-score game at 17-6. Cowboys then late in the half and Dak. Beautiful throw to Brandon Cooks down to the one. Cowboys would punch it in and it would be Dak to Michael Gallup. So it's 24-6 at the half. Cowboys in control. Eagles get it. Jalen Hurts driving. And then the Cowboys with another takeaway. Stephon Gilmore did it twice to the eagles the veteran with the strip so again an eagles offensive chance thwarted but this time cowboys give it right back and then some Dak stripped and jalen carter with the scoop and the big man rumble that's that same end zone Tavandre sweat scored a touchdown in in the big 12 championship game so now you got a ball game 27 13 the score fourth down though and the eagles have to go for it and another stop by that defense Cowboys get it back. They tack on a couple of more field goals. Big smile from Mike McCarthy. They are now both 10-3 and 3 in the NFC East. After Thanksgiving, understand this is, this is all about playoff position, uh, all about the division, this team right here. Uh, they got the division last year, just an opportunity, and stole the first game from us uh, earlier in the season. So just to have them here, um, get home field advantage, continue to uh, keep winning at home, uh, all three phases stepped up, and those was great, great team win. Well, now it's on the road for three of the last four. Again, tied with the Eagles with four games to go beginning next Sunday
1: afternoon in Buffalo. Back to you. Thanks, Roger. For those listening on the and Today podcast, thanks for hanging out with us. Here's what we're tracking at five. $12.5 million in taxpayer money that has sat unused for 15 years. Well, we could see Austin City Council finally decide what to spend it on.